Uh, I just want to remind us this morning as we begin that uh, that the epistles are are all letters that were written by particular people to particular people. So very often they follow kind of the format that we might in a personal letter that we we would write to someone that we cared a lot about and and just remember that uh, that that Paul is writing a letter to maybe one of his most favorite people in the world, Timothy, uh, his protege that he took a real likeness to uh, early on in his secondary uh, mis- second missionary journey. Uh, and, and, and just like you would find very often with letters, we're getting very close to the end of it now, and, uh, and just like we might do in a letter that we were writing to someone, that some things may be reemphasized that were introduced earlier on in the letter just to bring special attention to those as the closing is coming. And so that's kind of what we see here uh, as we're going to be in chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 3 and 4. I just want to go back and read a few passages to you that came before this that have very much to do with what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, The first one is chapter 1, verse 3. As I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain at Ephesus in order that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. Uh, uh, Verse 6, for some men straying from these things have turned aside to fruitless discussion. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. So just keep those in mind as we read a little bit this morning. Uh, I'm going to start back at chapter, or, or this is chapter 6. Uh, And I'm going to read from the beginning. Let all who are under the yoke of slaves regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and our doctrine may not be spoken against. And let those who have have believers as their masters not be disrespectful to them because they are brethren, but let them serve them all the more because those who partake of the benefit are believers and beloved. Teach and preach these principles. If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing. But he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words, out of which envy uh, arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, in constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. So we'll be beginning with verse 3 this morning. If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with a doctrine conforming to godliness, he's conceited and understands nothing. Well, some groundwork that we need to lay here, and we probably did this before, is to remember some things about the Apostle Paul. And and one of those is this, is he declares uh, in in the book of Galatians, 
uh, that the revelations that he has received, the instruction that he has received, does not come by the way of men, but by Jesus Christ himself. It's mindful of us to remember that in regard to the uh, uh, Apostle Paul, that the things that he's teaching now have been personally and privately, in a sense, conveyed to him directly by our Lord Jesus. Not those things that developed by men, not passed on from man to man, but given to him by the Lord himself. We know that Paul writes these words for a lot of reasons, and one of those is that there are people there, there are men there in Ephesus who are claiming to be teaching the word of God. But as Paul has made very clear, they are doing everything but that. They're teaching things that are contrary to what the word of God says. Every day, uh, I keep getting these text messages from students at the college. I have the flu. (laughs) Now, I don't know how many people in here have had the flu, but there is a very, very nasty strain of flu going around that means not just one day in bed, but very often days in bed and extra high fevers, 103, 104 fevers and uh, and that sort of thing. And, And we understand how those things get passed along, right? We know that they're caused by these little viral particles that are very, very small, almost submicroscopic. You can't even see them without having a super-duper high-powered microscope. But they can sure make us feel really, really bad in no time at all. To think about the way that they're, they're transferred, you know, I, t- I tell that used to tell our kids all the time, you know, when you go into Walmart, make sure you don't put your, your mouth on the handle because it's probably one of the least sanitary places on the planet of the earth. So sometimes it's by that sort of thing. Other times, you ever think about this? When someone has a cold or they have the flu and they sneeze, they put an aerosol of viral particles out in the atmosphere every time they do that. And just remember this, it only takes one single particle to bring you the flu or the cold. Paul here, when he talks about Sound words, really more literally is what he's saying is healthy words. Words that are edifying. Words that bring spiritual health. Words that build people up and not ultimately take away from them. Sound words. As opposed to... In healthy words as opposed to unsound in unhealthy words. Well, we understand that just as the body can become infected or sick or ill, the same thing is true of our spirit. Uh, I would imagine most of you have walked with Christ long enough to, to have experienced some of those times when you just feel almost disconnected. Maybe at a distance. You don't feel I have a great sense of the presence of the Lord with you at particular times. That sort of thing. 
It doesn't surprise us that our body gets ill. It doesn't surprise us that our body can become unhealthy. But I think sometimes it does surprise us that there's a sense in which our spirit can also become unhealthy. And so we have to be very careful what we feed it. I mean, we really do. And you know what I'm going to say. One of those, and, 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 and we just know it, and that is, you know, the word. The word is key to it. I mean, where do you find these healthy words? Where do you find these sound words? You find them in the word of God. And I just want to encourage you yet one more time to be about the learning and the study and the reading of the word of God. It's funny how the great links that we will go to very often to maintain our body in good health. Watch our diet, lose weight, go to the doctor, take this medication, take that medication, do this, do that, and we will do it religiously. I mean, how many times does a doctor give you a prescription and you're supposed to take one pill every day, once at nighttime before you go to bed? How often do you miss doing that? I would imagine most of us do it very faithfully, very religiously. Maybe we'll forget every now and then. But for the most part, we take that pill every night before we go to bed. How faithfully do we study the word of God? Are there days that come and go without us considering anything that God has to say? Are there weeks sometimes that come and go without us one time sitting down and opening up the Bible and, and reading and studying and contemplating and considering what it says and how it applies to me? I would imagine that as the church, and I'm talking about the visible church as a whole goes, there is a great deal of unhealth unsound things that are spoken and unsound things that are heard and unsound things that are applied. Sadly, I would imagine that there are a lot of people in, in the church today who really still believe that they contribute something to their salvation because of their goodness, that they're fundamentally good people. Maybe they're willing to admit that they've done a few wrong things in their lifetime but they're still not to the point of admitting that they are fundamentally rotten at the core. But let me tell you, that's what the Bible teaches us, is that we are all, every one of us, are fundamentally rotten at the core. We're not just bad people, we're very bad people. There are also people who believe this, and this will be propagated in places called churches today. And that is the idea that, that all that Jesus did applies to everyone, and nothing at all is required of us individually. Lord, I went to a funeral years ago, and, I, and, and, and the message that came across and what the pastor said is, is when we all die, we all go to heaven to be with Jesus. There was no, no mention of anything at all required of people. Nothing. This is this automatic thing that happens. But we understand this, that there is something required. It is belief. It's faith. 
It's repentance of our sins. I hope you know the difference between a lot of what a lot of people really believe and what the truth of the gospel is. We all, to the man, to the woman, to the child, we need Jesus, as much of Jesus as we can possibly have of Jesus. The only thing good about us is what we have of him. He is our goodness. If there's any goodness in us, it is him. So the question comes down to this, and that is, are we healthy Christians? Really? And let me tell you, unless you are in the word of God, more than just what you hear here on Sunday morning, or maybe Bible study once a week, then you may think you're healthy, but you're not. And you don't even know it. These sound words, these healthy words, we have to hear over and over and over again. We cannot hear them enough. So I know some of you are sitting there right now and you're feeling very guilty, just like me. Because the truth is, every one of us could spend more time in the Word than we do. We know that's true, right? But is it too much to ask of us? Really? And the truth is this, is if people would spend their time, spend time in the word of God and studying it with their heart and with their mind, then there would not be people who believed that all people go to heaven because of what Jesus did. And there would not be people who still believed that they're going to heaven because they're fundamentally a good person. But how many people do you know of would fit into that category? Understand that both of those things, one of those is antinomianism and the, and the other is legalism. You understand, do you understand that if you believe that you're going to heaven, part, at least in part because you're a good person, because of your own self-righteousness, then you're practicing legalism? And we were talking about the Sermon on the Mount and leadership training the other night, and it's interesting when you put things in perspective and, and, and consider the audience that Jesus was speaking to. He was in Galilee, but he was speaking to a bunch of Jewish people who were legalists to the man, to the woman. People who came there that day who, who, would, who could honestly say things like, I've never murdered anyone in my whole lifetime. I've never committed adultery against my wife in my whole lifetime. And it made them feel really good inside because they could say those things. But then Jesus strips their legalism away. And when he says this, if you have ever been angry with your brother, then you have broken the commandment of thou shalt not kill. 
Now, how many people do you think could have come there, would be sitting there on that sermon uh, uh, that, that day when he was preaching, who could say they had never been angry with anyone in their whole lifetime? He also said this, if you've ever lusted after a woman who is not your wife, then you have violated that commandment. You shall not commit adultery. There are people today that are not healthy. Because they believe things like this. They believe that Jesus has done everything for me. He's lived for me. He died for me. He was resurrected for me. He's ascended into heaven for me. And right now, as we're talking, he is being my heavenly advocate. He's speaking on my my behalf in the heavenly throne room. Because all those things are true. It doesn't matter how I live my life. Now, how many people do you know might have that kind of perspective? Guys, these things are heretical. They are not the gospel. The gospel is that we have all sin, all of us, not just a little, but humongously big. With every breath that we have ever breathed. I mean, who here can say that, that for one brief moment in your lifetime that you have loved the Lord your God with all of your heart and mind and soul and strength? Can anyone really say that? And yet, that's what we're called to do. In fact, my friends, that's what we're made to do. That's why we were created in the first place. We need Jesus. All of Jesus that we can have of Jesus. And just remember what we believe has to have at its very source our Lord. Not the fabrications of men. Not the misunderstandings of the Apostle Paul. We have to have the word of God. Because it is absolute truth. How godly do you feel? That's a loaded question, isn't it? That's one of those questions that's very... That's okay, Larry. You don't have to answer. Seriously, how how godly do we feel? How, How much do we feel this godliness about us that Christ gives us just shining forth from us and radiating the world around us? See, that's real doctrine. Very often we, we accept things that sound good, but they're not really very well 
spiritually and biblically grounded. And we don't even reach to the things that are, that are further, that are even far better. One of the things that we're faced with is we've, we've, most of you have been in the faith now for a long time. You know, one of the challenges before us all the time is this, is don't settle. Don't get too comfortable. Don't stay where you're at. Go deeper. Climb higher. Those who don't uh, receive the healthy words of our Lord Jesus Christ, the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ, he is conceited and understands nothing. Now, you know what conceited is, right? People who think they know everything and they think they're God's gift to, to everybody else and, uh, and all of that. There are people very often that make mountains out of molehills, and they major on minor things rather than realizing that some things are more important than other things. They, they tend to, to focus on the things of least importance and make them as if they are the things of most importance. Uh, I don't want you to get, get things wrong this morning as I speak about this because I want you to know something. I love General Assembly. I'd love to go to General Assembly uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, and one of those is General Assembly is always a great source of encouragement for me because I know it's just a reminder over and again that we are a church that is very serious about the gospel, very serious about our doctrine, very serious about having understanding as much as we can that we have things right as God has revealed them to us. There's some things about it I don't like that much. Sometimes we have debates, and those debates will go on for hours sometimes, and it eventually gets to the point, and the only way to bring it into it is for someone to call the question. And sometimes it is about petty, minor things. And it will go on and on and on and on until someone finally has had enough. <laughs> After an hour or two, you know, of beating the dead horse just one more time. And, it, and whenever anyone calls a question, it's almost always called. Because then there's a vote. Are we going to call the question? And most of the time it is because people are tired. We've, you know, we've, we've said everything can be said. It's all done deal and whatever. And some people just want to keep dragging more and more and more. That kind of thing. There are people who want to dominate the microphones. 
In other words, there, there are people, and I can guarantee if I go there this summer that I'm going to see some of the same people I did last summer come to the microphone absolutely every time there is a question or an issue on the floor. It's like they think that, 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 they, they, you know, that they're not doing their job unless they make everyone in that room know everything they know and, and, and desire about everything else. Rather than stopping to think that maybe there's some other guys in this room who have an opinion too, and maybe I should step aside, at least on occasion, and let them say what they want to say. And very often we get into these word battles. Maybe we're changing the BCO or something, uh, and we'll debate for, for hours exactly how the wording ought to be in a particular paragraph, in a particular sentence. What is that precise word that we want to use in, in, in the BCO so that there's no ground for anyone to ever misunderstand what, it's in, what is intended to be said? And we would be wrong to assume that sin doesn't ever enter into the picture when we have general assemblies, wouldn't we? But one of the things I always come away from general assembly is, is remembering the humanness of everybody, even all these pastor guys, some of them that I really look up to and admire. Really see the humanity in, in the people that are there. But at the same time, very often those people who go to the microphone are people who just shed great wisdom and knowledge and understanding of things to the rest of us. People that you really, really admire and you say, boy, I wish I had the qualities that this person has, that I, ha- that I had the ability to bring, you know, you, you know consensus, bring, you know, uh, agreement to a body of men who, who very often have very different ideas about the minors, not the majors. You need to understand that the majors bind us together as the denomination. And, and, and to the man, we are in agreement in regard to those major points. I'm just talking about the minor things now that we might disagree on. The problem is that when you get into controversies that go on and on and on, even after everything has been said and done, it leads to other types of sins. Envy, strife, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions. Envy, do you know what that is? Have you ever experienced envy yourself? Oh, come on, be honest. Have you you ever wished that something in your life was more like that something was in so-and-so's life? We 
we understand that envy is a sin, and we know why. And that is because that envy indicates that we're not satisfied with what God has given to us. We want the stuff that he's given to other people. Right? Strife. There have been times at General Assembly when I thought guys were going to come to blows. Literally. And sometimes there's such, such a level of disagreement that, that you're, you're talking about not just a conversation and debate going on, but argumentation, really, argue, arguing with, with, with heightened emotions and all of that taking place on the floor of General Assembly. Because somebody sees one particular thing in a way that just about nobody else does, and they cannot understand why no one else sees it the way that they see it. They can't understand why it's not as important to them as it is to him. Every now and then some will make, in jest, make a comment about someone else. But usually where when we say something in, in jest, there is at least a little truth of it hidden away behind our joke. In other words, we may be making a joke about someone be, being too much into words. But at the same time, that joke is based upon something we really think very often. Evil suspicions. Not only that. You know, take it out of the context of General Assembly. Just think about the political field or the political realm today, how you can take these things and apply it. Strife out there? <laughs> you know, and very often it is, very often it's this wrangling about words. Well, so-and-so said this, but they meant that. You know, or, you know, someone's saying something and this person taking it one way and somebody taking it an entirely different way and, you know, things like that. I mean, I don't know about you, but I really believe we live in a, a time when our nation is probably as divided, more divided than it's been in most of its history. Very different views. And neither side understanding why in the world the other side has taken a position they have and, 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 and cannot understand why in the world the other side believes what they believe. It's crazy. But those things are the world. We should expect it from the world. We should be cautious about anything or cautious about anything and everything that has the potential of bringing division in the church. We really should be. But it's our human nature to find things that would cause division. And you see it expressed in the world around us all the time. It has to be different here. We don't, we don't go by the world's rules. We go by the Lord's. So, are we going to feed ourselves on those healthy words? 
Are we going to let Fox News or CNN or somebody? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, how many hours do you spend watching the news every day compared to the number of hours you maybe open up your Bible and read it? Is there a comparison? It's got to be different, guys. We have a high calling, a higher calling that goes way beyond superficiality. And that's Paul's point. Things can't be the same here as they are out there. Otherwise, we might as well just be out there. Okay, next week we shall move.